Welcome to the Somatic Gospel Podcast. In this show, we explore the powerful intersection of faith and personal growth. Our focus is on helping listeners achieve greater awareness, healing, and transformation through the blending of somatic experiencing, polyvagal theory, psychology, neurology, nervous system healing, and emotional intelligence in relation to the gospel. We believe that by bringing these diverse approaches together, we can offer a unique and powerful way to support the global body of Christ in its journey towards greater health and wholeness. Join us as we delve into the deepest questions of faith and explore the many ways in which we can all grow and evolve as individuals and as a community. So let's get started. Um, so like, again, accountability. And it, again, I do experience frustration with that um, framework of accountability within evangelicalism, which is penal, um, uh, retributive, punishing, and only focuses on like a behavior. It's not even behavior modification, it's like behavior control. Well, yeah, and the, the thing about it is, you know, one of the frameworks that we have, and I think distinctions we have around accountability uh, with us is that accountability is very neutral. You know, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't come at it from a, a space of, I need to quit this thing now and we don't necessarily punish ourselves. It's just noticing what's showing up and then helping each other shift through those things, holding space for each other. And, and the, my experience of our faith community is a lot of people in our faith community, not our direct faith communities, but the, our faith community at large is that they have it in accountability being, what are you doing wrong? And you need to do better which we know that that good, better, different is not supportive in the transformation journey. It just leaves us in that space of desire, uh, that space of wanting change, but never really getting to that place, so to say. So there's a good, better, good or bad conversation around accountability doesn't really do much in terms of helping us transform it. Usually, at least my experience of it was it, it's, it's left me in a space of feeling bad about myself and only feeds a narrative of unworthiness and shame and condemnation and not like, hey, just notice what's showing up. Let's notice your beliefs. Let's notice what, what brought you to make, what decisions brought you to this outcome. And then you're we're powerful enough to choose something something else and and the the like firm foundational thing here is isn't yes you can choose differently of course we all know this i think that's like uh, that's a concept in, in embedded into our culture is that raw 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 powerful choice make a different one yes that's true and ultimately Every choice is a fruit of an identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like the, the, the question around the idea of like sin is not, why did you do the bad thing? And you should feel guilty and like pummel yourself with shame. No, it's who are you? Yeah. 
It is. It's who are you? It's calling. It's really calling forth what is, what really is that, because we can like again. What does it say? The the righteous walk by faith, right? Like something like that. Like yeah. uh, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Okay. What's faith? Faith. It's a trust, and mm-hmm. that trust isn't built on like, oh, I'm gonna sit in this chair because I've ha- I already have evidence for sitting in this chair a million times because I've sat in it a million times. That's not trust. Like I already have evidence for that. Like there, it doesn't really require uh, a faith, right? Like it, it, it is a trust in the chair because I already trust it, but it doesn't require that, right? So like the person who wants to I'm going to use that word once, or, you know, they're, they're seeing a, a contrast with what they are embodying now and what ultimately truly is about them requires them to superimpose the objective truth over their subjective experience, right? You have to, you have to value and impose the objective reality over the subjective reality because the subject of reality is just my own personal experience in what's happening based on my limited filters. The objective truth is what is regardless of my subjective experience. Yeah. And so calling someone forth into what truly is is getting them to take the subjective experience that's personal to their filters of a situation and saying, nope, we're going to impose the objective. And now my filter is the objective reality of what is. And so when when I'm able to flow from that space, the idea or the question or the outworking of sin isn't even a thing because I'm not coming from I'm a sinner and I need to stop. I'm coming from a completely different framework. Who am I? I'm the beloved son in whom the father's will please. I am righteous, holy, perfect, beloved. I mean, keep going. Pure, complete, sanctified, all this. Yep. And like, sin is not even a question anymore. It's not even a anything anymore. And it's not because it's a delusion. Again, I'm not talking about, and, and this is the problem with what I said, like how people do law of attraction, where they're like, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. No, you're not. If you were, you would be embodying it, right? And so I'm not talking about a um, affirmational practice that is delusional, where your actions and your affirmations are incongruent with one another. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an actual embodiment where if you say, I am this, you actually are this. You actually are being this. Now, the thing about this work is before you actually embody it, you have to believe that you're it. <laughs> so there is a, a, a space where you're not fully embodying it, but in order to do it, you have to believe you're it to embody it. Yeah. Right? Like, which is why people who win the lottery but have poverty consciousness 
within five years end up broke or dead or sick or just in a really bad situation because they're not the container for that level of wealth. Yeah. Right. And so once you're a container, that stuff is easy to. So, so for you, how does, how does that framework, what you're speaking into right now, how does that support accountability? Like what we were talking about, because that's really. Okay. So accountability is what, what I'm ultimately accountable to is not the control of my actions, which yes, that is an outworking for me. Actions are symptomatic. Mm -hmm. Actions aren't roots. So they're symptomatic, right? Like, Like if a, if a dog starts trying to fly, there's something fundamentally wrong with what its whole operating system, right? Like dog, you cannot fly because you're not a bird, right? Or if a bird starts barking with the exception of parrots who can repeat things, (laughs) it's just like, you're not a dog, you're a bird, right? And so again, the accountability is holding space for people to really um, sink into identity, who I am, like holding accountable to that because then it's like, okay, well, let's look at your, let's, let's work backwards. Your actions are evidence of these beliefs and these beliefs stem from this ultimate belief of your identity that flows. Like everything flows from a source. Yeah. Right? So that's what I mean. Like accountability just flows all the way back to source, the source point of what, what do I believe about who I am? And then the rest of that flows, right? Yeah. So we, we can reverse, like you say, like reverse engineer, we can look at the actions and then go, hmm, let's, well, now let's start inquiring because that's the part of the journey with transformation too. It's because we, have, we get to make sure that the choices we're making are more conscious and not drifty and autonomic, right? Yeah. So that's more what I mean, what accountability can be. It can be more of a conversation on where are you sourcing from? Yeah. Are you sourcing from an identity that supports what you're really looking at which, and or not? Which, uh, it's so much more spacious when we approach accountability this way. Absolutely. You know, it's such a spaciousness of, of inquiry and question and exploration and not coming not a top down approach, so to say, or hammer down approach of, I need to get my crap together. So I need to look at all the ways I'm showing up that I don't like. It's, it's more the exploration of who I am and really how we we got. Yeah, exactly. And how, how we got on this topic is, is, is really talking about our, own conversations and how this has been such a great feedback for us because um, we're able to hold each other high and and really help each other explore who we really are and uh, and without the shaminess of what are you doing you know what are you doing what why are you doing this thing no we're we're helping each other explore bro who are you 
And, and I think I love the parrot analogy you used. I want to touch on this for a second because a, a parrot trying to bark is just copying somebody. It's just copying something that it's actually even not. And the, the goal in exploration and accountability is to actually allow a parrot to, to, to be a parrot and to not just be a copycat, right? Like what would the parrot actually have to say? Now, granted, the authenticity of a parrot is to copy, but, but you know what I mean? But there, there's a sense of, of we don't, as humans, we want to explore the authenticity of who we are. And that's not going to happen through us mocking another voice. It's going to happen through, through the exploration of who we are. And, and oftentimes the, this, the, the hypervigilance around sin in the Christian community, one stops the exploration of who we are, but also stops that authentic flow around who we are because we're so hypervigilant. And then we just try and copy what our leaders say, what the pastors say, what the Christian culture says that there's not a true authentic, like I'm free to be this guy. I'm free to be who I am. Uh, and, and when things show up one and trust that God's going to correct me, um, first and foremost, that he's the good shepherd. If there is something way off in left field, he'll bring that into my awareness and help me explore where I'm out of alignment with truth. But then there's this aspect too of face to face with my brother who will hopefully be led by the spirit to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If I'm holding you high, like I think Galatians six, one, um, if, if, um, if anyone falls into a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one with gentleness. Or kindness, right. Yeah. And it says, you know, bear one, another's, bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. Right. It's very interesting when you think about that. You know what that sounds like to me? Co-regulation. Yeah, come on. I'm, I'm empathizing with you. I'm. You know what I'm doing as I'm um, bearing your burden with you, and um, I'm. If you fall into a trespass, and I'm meeting you with compassion and gentleness, as I'm incarnating Christ to you in a moment. Absolutely, dude. I'm the, not the, Christ. What? I'm not Christ, but in a way, I'm incarnating Him in fulfilling His way of being by bearing your burden with you. And now I'm able to help assist you and support you in co-regulation because then from co-regulation, what ends up happening when you're co-regulated and you're like back to social engagement and your ventral vagal uh, nervous system is like activated and you're good to go. Now the frontal lobe your logic is able to listen more because when you're activated in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, this logical part of the brain shuts down. So I'm not able to reason with you. But if I bear your burden with you and I approach you with kindness and gentleness, which creates a container of safety and, and yeah. love, now those defenses come down, feeling like safe and supported is there. Right. And now I can speak into your identity. And when I say, when I speak into your identity and I hold you high, I'm only always continually reminding you of where you sit. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I mean, the, the word empathy means to dive into one's subjective experience to the point that we become infused with it, which is the nature of, of Christ. And so, yeah, it, it, there's this aspect of being brothers and being accountable, uh, being accountable that is by nature empathetic. And I see the church at large lacking an empathetic accountability, a form of, of empathy that dives in with gentleness to understand um, someone's process, you know, someone's journey, someone's discovery. And I think that's something huge that we bring to the table. Um, For sure. And, yeah, it is. Yeah. I want to speak into empathy really quick, the word, because I love etymology. That's like one of my favorite things. Um, the word empathy is modeled in German, ein Lung. my German's not good, from ein, which means in, right? And Fulung, probably a terrible pronunciation. If my wife was here, she'd butcher me for it. But it means in feeling. Mm. I'm in your feelings. And it was a it was coined in 1858 by a German philosopher named Rudolf Lotz, Lotz as a translation of the Greek word empatheia, which means passion, state of emotion from assimilated form N, which we know this in Greek, E-N means in, right? Mm -hmm. Pathos, pathos means feeling. So I'm to empathize with you is I am going into your feeling and I'm experiencing your world as you, which what does Jesus do when he incarnates, bro? Exactly what he does. He dives into the human experience and he experiences our world as a human, mm -hmm. full, complete, passionate empathy and love for us. And this is what we get to give away like this is what the the joshua training the somatic gospel all the different little trainings like this is about incarnation which is embodiment there's no incarnation without flesh right yeah. like that's what we're talking about we're talking about incarnating his way of being yes. and that's fully summarized in his empathy for us to to heal us absolutely absolutely and the beautiful thing about the gospel is not only does he say I'm coming into your world, but with me coming into your world and bringing, coming as you in the earth, he says, you can come as me into heaven. <laughs> and so there's a, there's a divine exchange, bro, of empathy, where empathy doesn't have to be just around, um, you know, the experience of brokenness or the experience of pain. It can also be the experience of joy. <laughs> and that's the invitation we have actually come into Christ's feelings in the world. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So it's a divine change on every, on every level. And that's the beauty for ashes. We, the only thing we really bring to the table is ashes and everything he brings to the table is joy and righteousness. So he comes into our brokenness our, our experience of brokenness and, and, you know, what some people would say depravity or however we want to coin that, our experience of fragmentation of the mind and, and 
we get to take on his wholeness of mind. We get to actually come into heaven and experience that. Okay. Oh, this is so good. So um, earlier this year, I was reading a book on the Eucharist and eschatology and how like they, 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 they're, they play with each other. But that's not what this, what I'm about to say is about. I read a book, I read a, a, a word in that book and it's a German word and it's Heilsgeschichte and it means salvation story or healing story. Yeah. Now, the word whole, like wholeness, the word whole comes from the old English English word how, H-A-L. It means entire, whole, unhurt, uninjured. Well, wow. what's trauma? Injury. Yeah, absolutely. Pieces of ours cracked or broken or splintered, right? You're safe, you're healthy, you're sound, right? Yeah. Now, it comes from the, the German word. Literally, wholeness comes from the German word Heil, H-E-I-L, which means salvation or welfare. Wow. So like what we're speaking about is that he comes into the world to bring heaven's welfare to earth. Come on. <laughs> his story becomes our story. Yeah. We own his Heil's Geschichte, which is his salvation story, his story of healing for humanity. Wow. Through the compassion, through the empathy, yes, through bearing one another's burdens. That's the real true transformation. That's how we're really bringing like the heaven to earth. And yeah. And, and, you know, everything that Jesus does flows from that space, like his healing power, his virtue, his character, like he is the living embodiment of empathy and compassion. And, I think a lot of times in, in the charismatic circles that I've really been involved in, with is that healing, healing the sick, raising the dead, all the power things that charismatics are obsessed with for good reason in, in some ways. <laughs> uh, really, I think I see some come from it from empathy. But when, when Paul writes that love is the more excellent way, this is what he's talking about. Like I can heal the sick, have faith to move mountains, speak in other tongues. But if I'm not about empathy and compassion, then really it doesn't matter how much I see those things flowing in my life. If it's not really rooted and anchored in coming into the fragmentation of someone's experience and bringing heaven into their life. And it's, it's such an other person, other, others centered way of love that it's less about what I'm getting and more about how am I being with somebody? How am I being in their experience with them? And what am I bringing into that? And I think for a lot of people, we, we spend so much time in our, in our own fragmentation that when it comes time to bring somebody to someone who's in an experience of fragmentation and, and, and pain and, and sorrow that we don't know how to actually come with them 
and bring joy and bring peace and bring um, self-awareness and self-discovery. And, and that's what gets me so excited about this stuff, bro. Is like, like literally it's, it's, ah, uh, it's what gets me excited about the gospel is like, what is it, what does it mean to raise up our friends and our family and our children to be empathetic in nature in every way and to shift, shift different definitions that don't serve us mm. and not, not just shifting definitions that don't serve us, but shifting it in, in, in me, shifting this definition in me because that definition is a framework that can that builds a container for me to live to live through and specifically i'm, I'm referencing accountability in this way of the, the the nature of an empathetic accountability rather than a legal accountability there's a big, there's a massive distinction. There. Yeah, a behavioral accountability when all the behavior is doing is, is symptomatic of a deeper issue, right? Exactly. Which, which is why I love the early fathers and the early church sort of understanding of sin and the atonement because it's a corruption that we're, that the human race is suffering from that doesn't participate in union with Christ. Um, not, um, like you're not going to get mad at someone who has cancer. Yeah. Like you, you know, like, are you going to be like, oh, you suck. You have cancer. Like, no, you're going to be like, I am so deeply sorry. And I'm here to support you. Like beat this thing. That's how we act. When someone gets cancer, everyone rallies around them. And we're like, we're going to help you beat this thing. Cancer is not going to consume you. And like, that's sin. Like we gotta yeah. rally around people and say, "Dude, that is sin's so not gonna consume you. It's not gonna beat you. We're gonna rally around you and help you beat this thing." Because you know? because sin is disease of the soul, and, and um, it really is, bro. And <laughs> that's just such a good way of looking at it. And unfortunately, unfortunately, it's just not the my experience with church life or or with our community of faith is it's so much more punishment based rather than healing based. And, and uh, yeah, that's why the work we're doing is so powerful, bro. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, it's a good combo. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Somatic Gospel Podcast. We hope that you found the conversation valuable and that you feel inspired to continue your own journey towards greater awareness, healing, and transformation. Remember, you don't have to navigate this path alone, so we're here to support you every step of the way. So be sure to tune in to our next episode where we're going to explore the spiritual world and how it affects trauma healing. Until then, may you be blessed in your own journey towards wholeness and may you continue to be a blessing to those around you. Peace out.